Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast series, our Industry Influencers series. I am thrilled to have Jay Sarzen, a dear friend for many, many years, join me on this. Jay is the Vice President of Swiss Re Solutions at Swiss Re. So welcome, Jay. Thank you, Denise. I'm happy to be here today. So Jay, I always like to start off because even though I think you're fairly well known, you never know. Some people might not know you or your background and what your role is at Swiss Re, our partnership with Swiss Re, because we're doing some interesting, innovative things there as well. So why don't you give your background? Great. Sure. Again, thank you for having me. I'm very much looking forward to the discussion. So as you mentioned, I'm the vice president of at Swiss Re Solutions, and that doesn't really mean anything without context. So basically, I view myself as an evangelist of sorts for working with our current treaty partners as, as well as non-treaty partners. And what I try to do is open doors to try to get uh, senior executives at carriers to understand the value of all of these innovative solutions that Swiss Re has constructed that can help with any number of things. And I don't want to blow the whole thing right up front because I'm sure we'll get into them on the back end, but that's effectively what I'm doing. And I was brought into this role about two years ago, Denise, because as you know, I'm not sure if your listeners know, I headed up the PNC insurance practice at IT Group, where I was the lead analyst looking at all of the, the trends that were emerging across the property casualty lands, property insurance landscape, whether it was emerging technology, shifting consumer demands, the reliance on core systems that were a little bit more nimble than the average core system software suite. You know, all of those things compelled Swiss Re to reach out to me and say, look, we're really taking a new direction here with solutions. We're really trying to get our treaty partners to adopt these solutions. We need someone in here who can speak the language. That's why I'm here. That's great. And I know prior to you joining there, you know, we'd already had a budding relationship with Swiss Re helping to launch some innovative products that are leveraging our solutions, but also leveraging some of the stuff that you're focused in on, which is really a great thing. At the heart of change within the industry are customers and risk. And you and I've had a lot of conversations first around customers. What do you see driving change and disruption in insurance from a customer perspective And what's different or similar from an individual versus a business? And what do you think the ramifications are for insurers, particularly those that are your customers? So I think, you know, Denise, as we've talked over the years, consumers are demanding a more unique, bespoke, customized experience, whatever word you're looking to use. I think everyone wants the coverage that will protect all of their assets, protect themselves from liability of of lawsuits and things of that nature in the event that something were to go wrong, but they want it tailored to their own situation. And 
from my perspective, what Swiss Re is trying to do with our data and analytics offering and our Impact Plus offering is to, to bring about that level of change in the industry to allow our treaty partners as well as non-treaty partners the ability to deliver that. Versus individuals versus businesses, I think we have to understand what we're talking about when we say businesses. If it's a small business owner, it's sole proprietor, I think a lot of what they're looking for are what individuals are looking for. They want to ensure that their home, that their cars, that their personal property, all are covered in the event of, of a loss, whether it's a catastrophic loss or just a normal runabout business interruption. They want to make sure that the premium that they're paying is accurate and that they're not paying more than they need to. But conversely, they want to make sure that they're not underinsuring themselves relative to their true exposure. So, you know, these are elements that I can be derived without data, but in this quick moving world where you want a nearly instant decision, the only way a decision is that's going to come down, that's going to meet those criteria, will be one that's driven through data. So the ramifications are that insurers, if you're not embracing data, whether it's with, through partnership with some external vendor, or if you're not building out internal data science team, you're really running the risk that you're going to start losing your customers or creating a really negative customer experience for your policyholders. And you know you may not lose them today, but in all likelihood, you'll lose them tomorrow because every other insurer will be adopting these practices and delivering them to those customers. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that that kind of ties into that is really about the risk and this kind of, we've got so many different types of risk emerging and complexity of risk, and that's really impacting underwriting and profitability, something near and dear to you guys as hard as you're yeah. providing reinsurance coverage. What does Swiss Re do to help their customers better deal with these shifts? Our insurance carriers, customers minimize loss. So when we think about what we can do, we rely on a lot on our telematics offerings uh, for drivers. We can help coach these insurance carriers, drivers about how they're driving, you know, when they're driving and where they're driving. As far as the carriers themselves, we help them see the big picture in their portfolios to help them understand how they're doing relative to their peers as it relates to loss. It might help them identify areas where you might need to give a little bit more attention, whether it's deploying some of those telematics resources that I talked about. And I know we're going to talk about them a little bit more later, but to identify areas in the portfolio that need a little bit more attention, whether it's in the form of risk mitigation, or it might be in the form of premium increases. I mean, you know, I hate to use that terminology, but if we can show carriers that, look, you're losing money unnecessarily with this group of insureds, you need to do better with them by either A, maybe non-renewing their business or in an I more ideally to increase their premium. Again, it's about getting them to understand the true nature of the risks that they're facing. Conversely, it may be that we can show a carrier where they could be doing more business so there may be an example where a carrier may be you know, operating in a state or other location or city, a suburban area, whichever the case may be. And we might say, look, you know, the policies that you have in this area are performing very well. And so are your competition mm -hmm. policies. So it might make sense for you to underwrite more risk in this area. 
So, you know, again, what we're trying to do is put these carriers in advantageous a position as possible by getting them to understand the true nature of the risk exposures, as well as business performance within their portfolio. That whole concept of risk is just a, it's such a complex thing, but there's, and there's no single answer. There's no silver bullet, but it just takes a lot of collaboration to really kind of figure out what's the right approach. One of the key areas underpinning and enabling innovation that you and I have been really passionate about is technology and really about data and analytics and this ecosystem of partners. Talk about how data and analytics are reshaping the insurance space and how insurers are looking for trusted data sources. And what are the interesting opportunities that you're seeing kind of emerging there? And how are you helping your customers? As I alluded to earlier, I think data and analytics really is the linchpin for change in the insurance industry. You know, there is just now an ability to get to such a fine level of detail about an individual risk. And by that, I mean, understanding not just the date of construction of the home, but what about the materials that are in the home? What about the roof condition? You know, how close is it to brush, which would mean that it's a heightened wildfire risk? You know, how close is it a distance to a river or a pond or wetlands? How high is it relative to those risks? It's not enough to know an address anymore, okay? You have to have that context in order to more intelligently and more appropriately underwrite and that individual risk. And certainly, you know, when we talk about an ecosystem, okay, all of these data sources, they exist in isolation in many instances, but we have to be able to bring them together in a way that underwriting systems can communicate with these data sources. You know, Impact Plus, which is Swiss Re's, as I like to call a data supermarket, really <laughs> takes on that role. You know, we have partnerships with firms like Tinadeca. You know, obviously we have a lot of the FEMA data coming in, but innovative firms that are providing data that really were not accessible 30, 40 years ago are now aggregating this data and we're figuring out a way to plug it all in so that carriers can underwrite more accurately, can adjudicate a claim more quickly and more accurately and basically just understand the nature of their risk and therefore might be able to offer up some helpful hints to their insureds about what they could do about maybe cutting back some brush or you know maybe undertaking some roof repairs you know things of that nature all of that is only possible through as you just mentioned Denise you know the innovations that are happening all the data and analytic capabilities that now exist and all of course that parcel all the data providers but that all has to operate within the same ecosystem. And maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but it really requires a nimble and agile core system suite. I know at Swiss Re, we talk about this all the time. We can talk until our ears fall off of our head. If carriers don't have the right core systems in place, none of this is happening. None of it. And that gets to another kind of dimension of data and analytics that... I know you and I have had numerous conversations on, but I think it's really, it's getting elevated in the market now this year is telematics, how it's really reshaping insurance products, operations, and obviously underwriting. And I think the recent announcement by Tesla during their earnings call, how they've really grown their insurance business 
And they're able to have so much more data to really be able to more effectively price for that insurance on a Tesla vehicle. But more importantly, they're using that data to reshape the Tesla car so that when there is an accident or there is damage, they can minimize that and minimize the cost. That's just like massively huge. Um, And the potential of that is just amazing. But that's where telematics really comes into play. What are you guys focused on and how do you see innovation and growth for insurers here? Yeah, well, first I'll focus on what Swiss Re is focused on. And then I'm going to take a step outside of the Swiss Re box, if that's okay, and go beyond and talk about what I was seeing and what we're currently seeing in the industry. So right now, as far as telematics is concerned, Swiss Re, as I alluded to earlier, is focused on what we call our automotive mobility solution. Tells you how you drive, what you drive, when you drive, where you drive, and it can deliver insights to any insurance carrier that's looking for them to understand the true nature of the risk. So if you're a driver, for example, and you get a message from your smartphone saying, hey, you know, right now, we know that you typically drive from point A to point B along this particular route. Well, given the weather conditions, this particular route might not be such a good route to take. So either you can wait, you know, 20 minutes until whatever weather happens to be in the area passes, or you might take a different route that might be less traveled, that might be less prone to accidents, you know, whatever the case may be. Those capabilities exist today. And a lot of what um, the automotive mobility solutions component can do is provide those insights to insurance carriers insured. It definitely is pretty pervasive. I know there are a lot of entities out there that provide this, you know, one being, you know, of course, Cambridge Mobile Telematics. I mean, that's a provider that is in direct competition with us. But, you know, we know that there's a lot of space in the market for a lot of different providers. But I think that's really where Swiss Re is focused. Now, where I think the home, where, where there is greater focus, where there could be greater focus, the proliferation of smart homes and smart thermostats, smart locks, smart sensors, smart security systems. There's just such a treasure trove of data about how people are managing their homes. And the same thing with businesses, to know how a mechanism is performing, whether it's about to kick out, whether it's about to have a major accident, you know, that runs part and parcel with the smart home solution. You have all of this data with you that can be transmitted to you and synthesized and chopped up. You just inherently know a lot more about the risks that you're underwriting. Are these machines being maintained properly in the commercial sense? Are people at home locking their doors at night? Are they keeping their windows open? Are they setting their thermostats too low when the temperature outside is too low, inviting frozen pipes and burst pipes? It's very weird. I almost think that there's a little bit of a bifurcation, Denise. And I've been saying this for a couple of years. With automotive, it's a a little bit tougher of an ask to get telematics information for people to opt in for it, simply because their behavior is being judged in some way, right? You're, you're braking too hard. You're taking the corner too aggressively. You're speeding too much, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be. Not that I ever do that, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, people don't like to be judged, but with a home sort of like, well, yeah, you have your windows open. It's not a judge. I mean, just know that you have your windows open. There are things that you could do, you know, maybe leave your lights on until one o'clock instead of shutting them off at 11. It shows that it might deter crime in your neighborhood. I mean, just again, 
all types of this information that you couldn't possibly imagine having your hands on 30, 40 years ago is now available to insurance carriers. And if they can use it, and it's not in a creepy big brother way, it really is, in my mind, designed to help the insured avoid a loss. No, no one wants their pipes to burst. Right. No one wants their house to be robbed. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anyone would invite that. So if you can help people modify their behavior in a kind and gentle way, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And there certainly are a lot of those firms out there that are selling that data. But, you know, back to your point about trying to avoid a claim or to mitigate it, it really gets to a, a concept that has really started emerging, particularly over COVID. And that's where I think telematics in automobiles, as an example, because people were trying to manage their expenses because they weren't driving the vehicles that much. Telematics became much more interesting. It's really about financial wellness. A lot of times we thought maybe in the past financial wellness was about, oh, our investments in mutual funds or stocks or our 401k or whatever it is. It's really the overall, how you're managing all of your financial assets, including your assets like your vehicles and your property and the insurance that you've got coverage on that so that it protects them. There's a bigger financial wellness aspect to all of this. Jay, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can manage your assets in a way that minimize losses, again, you're on the hook for a deductible. And yeah, your insurance carrier may cover the rest of the loss, but there is still an aspect that if you can encourage people to behave more responsibly with their assets, that leads to overall better financial wellness, I guess. I mean, if you're not driving your car as much, then certainly that leads you to ask the question, well, if I'm not driving it as much, why am I insuring it, insuring my car as it sits in my garage? Does that drive a deeper understanding, a deeper sense of financial wellness? Absolutely. I think, you know, UBI is always kind of the fun topic because, you know, on the one hand, insurance carriers like the idea of their insurance not driving anywhere, right? I mean, you know, less opportunity for things to go wrong. But if you're trying to go back and underwrite a policy to pay for what you need, like, you know, Liberty Mutual says, then you're saying, well, I'm trading revenues for increased likelihood of no accidents. As we debate this, I'm not sure which is better. I probably would err on the side of fewer accidents just because of the human toll uh, that it takes. You know, one of the things, you know, kind of going back to telematics that I didn't mention, which again, Swiss Re is not involved in, but, you know, a lot of these telematics solutions, Denise, will be able to not only tell you about the an accident that just happened, but given the conditions, we will be able to tell you what sort of medical outcomes you could expect to have in the injured. So that information can also help with disability claims. And if it's a delivery driver, a workers' compensation claim, if you know the car based on the telematic output that you got from an accident, know that there should be no way a person should be on the shelf for eight months. That's useful information. But I digress. Going back to the element of the human toll, I would say promoting the financial wellness is definitely good. But if you're putting forth a product that allows people to pay a little bit less 
because they're driving fewer miles, I think overall that's a net positive. You know, you, you have fewer injuries, you have fewer losses. I think that's probably on the whole good for the insurance industry. I think it begins to kind of change somewhat of the model of insurance that we protect for risk, but it's not an assumption that we're just always going to pay out the claim because hopefully we're avoiding that claim. Again, it's not an abdication of responsibility at all. That's not what I'm saying. But if you can avoid a loss and or at least minimize severity, everyone's going to win because eventually carriers are going to not have to charge what they charge. We're seeing right now, we just went through a bear of a renewal season, a bear. And, you know, a lot of it was just driven by catastrophes, you know, Hurricane Ian, among yeah. others. We just had to say, look, it's been a relatively soft market for the past 20 years. It's hardening up. We're seeing inflation. So costs to replace are heading up. We've got to take rates, you know, for lack of a better term. And <laughs> we had some tough discussions this year. So I think it's in everyone's best interest to minimize severity, to minimize frequency, a major driver of that minimization is a lot of these risk mitigation tactics that are underpinned by data and analytics and telematics. So one of the other areas that is like one of the hottest topics has been for the last couple of years is around alternative channels from, you know, direct or agents and brokers, which, you know, agents and brokers are going to be around for a long period of time. They're still needed, particularly when you get into some of the complex risks, but we're seeing growth in MGAs and in particular embedded. MGA's growth has been just astronomical, but also embedded insurance. It's such a hot topic. It's all about market reach, but also reaching customers when and where they want to buy, uh, leveraging loyalty that they may have to another entity, particularly in embedded insurance. What do you see that's really exciting out there in the marketplace, all the experimentation going on, and what do you think it's going to happen? I think what you just said, you know, really kind of hits it on the head. It goes back to the, one of the very first statements that came tumbling out of my mouth, which is it's about providing a customer experience. At the end of the day, you know, buying insurance, it's a little bit more complicated than buying a gallon of milk, but it shouldn't be that much more complicated. So if you're seeking insurance, why wouldn't you want to have baked into any product that you might be buying, whether it's a home or a car or some other appliance. I mean, there are just all kinds of opportunities to delight your consumers by providing them a good peace of mind as they make these purchases. So we are very big advocates of alternative distribution. In fact, we have a group called Strategic Partnerships that's completely dedicated to this distribution channel. The way it works is, is that if you can imagine an entity that is a non-insurance entity, this entity may have access to copious amounts of data that can easily be repurposed or pivoted towards having an insurance policy underwritten. So let's just, for argument's sake, just say a mortgage lender, okay? There's no reason why when you're applying for a mortgage that you shouldn't be able to simultaneously apply for homeowner's insurance, right? I mean, you've got the need there. You're applying for a mortgage, which, you know, you may be refinancing and it's still an opportunity, but for a large part of mortgages that are being written, a significant percentage of them are for first time home buyers. Well, okay. So as you're going down that path, you have all this financial information. Why don't you just sell them life property casualty insurance at the time that 
they're applying for the mortgage. It just makes sense. I mean, they don't have to pay the premium right then and there, but the, the home itself is not going to change. You know what you're insuring. It's not, you know, like a life insurance policy where, you know, one day you could be healthy as a horse and the next day you're, you know, a, a complete dumpster fire in a health situation. It's not like that. Having a set of data that you can say, okay, if we knew every question that we wanted asked was going to be asked. And as long as we set the guardrails for the price of the home, for the condition of the home, for the location of the home, you know, whatever the case may be, you can build a box. And any policy that kind of stays within that box shoots right through. And, you know, I don't want to say it's automatic, you know, because nothing is that automatic, but, you know, as close to automatic as it can get. Isn't that a great customer experience to know that you can apply for insurance? You don't have to go to an agent. It's just being done at through an MGA or at point of sale through a mortgage lender, and it's all done. I don't claim for one minute that that's going to be the predominant way to purchase insurance. It's not. But there is a sizable market of people out there that want to purchase insurance in that manner. It should be offered as an option to those people. Particularly so, the younger generation is highly, highly interested in this, Jay. Absolutely. What Thrift 3 does is we work with those entities, whether it's a you know mortgage lender or some other form, and they want to get into the insurance. What Swiss 3 will do is because of our contacts with numerous carriers, we will help them find a fronting carrier for that MGA that they're looking to build. Once we get agreement on that, we help them set it up. And then, you know, because we're got our hands on the whole thing, we will provide reinsurance on the back end. So it's a nice program that we have. That's our strategic partnerships program. Again, it's not just limited to building the MGAs. It could be, as you mentioned, the embedded insurance, you know, whether it's a car, whether it's an appliance, it doesn't matter. We can help build that construct in order for that insurance purchase to go through. We're very excited about that. We do think that there's a lot there to dig into. MGAs, certainly, we've seen the rise, you know, Kin, Pi, all those other workers' top folks. They've been very successful. You know, whether it's Jim Collins, you know, good to great hedgehog principle, I don't know. People are embracing it, and we need to support it, and that's what we're doing. Very true. And I think it's going to be an interesting next couple of years as the Gen Z and the millennials continue to become the dominant buyers around insurance as the older generation decreases their risk in other areas. I see this as a really interesting time for those that are really on the front end, leveraging technology and leveraging relationships and partnerships to really kind of capture that opportunity out there because it's real. Absolutely. No doubt. I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. One last question before I ask my actual final question, and that is around claims and the moment of truth. And I know you have such an extensive background in claims. Last year was another big year with regard to catastrophes and billion dollar events out there in the marketplace that made it really complex. What are you guys looking at from a Swiss Re standpoint to really kind of look at opportunities to innovate and redefine this claims experience and to manage those situations and really understand the risk. You know, obviously catastrophes are our business. So we Absolutely. Don't, we don't like them, but they are our business. We recognize how difficult it is for insurance carriers to manage a claims process in the aftermath of a major catastrophe. There's confusion, 
there's anxiety, just often the inability to get to the site impacted by a natural catastrophe. So what Swiss Re has done is we have developed a tool called the Rapid Damage Assessment Tool, RDA. This is a very interesting tool because effectively, really what it does is it helps carriers kind of manage both pre and post catastrophe. So effectively, we can help in the pre catastrophe, we can help a carrier with reserving requirements, with reserving, you know, so if we know that a particular location is going to be impacted by a Cat 5 hurricane. I mean, that's just as bad as it gets. This tool can help a carrier pinpoint which of its properties are in the path of this event, of this pending catastrophic event. It can determine effectively what it estimates will be probable loss as it relates to that event and will help with reserving. That's kind of the pre-catastrophe piece of it. Once the catastrophe hit, now all of a sudden we can use a lot of aerial imagery, you know, near real time using satellites, drones, airplanes, helicopters, you name it. We have a relationship with ISI as an example, and we can, in the aftermath of a catastrophe, help a carrier without putting boots on the ground necessarily, get a sense of where the heaviest damage has occurred. Okay, you know, it's predictive up front, obviously, but now you've got the real evidence once the catastrophe has passed. And it can help deploy human resources. It can help a carrier understand where the financial resources need to be aimed. It's a pretty powerful tool. Right now, it's focused strictly on the wind event. So, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, we are trying to expand the catastrophic menu that it will rest. But right now, we just know that carriers don't have the manpower to deploy people in a post-catastrophe world where you need to make these insureds, these people who suffered the damage whole, again, as quickly as possible, or at least get them on the path towards becoming whole again. And if you can't get to a damaged site, for four days because of, you know, the bridge is out or there are hundreds of trees down blocking access. Well, RDA serves as, you know, the eyes and feet on the ground, so to speak, for an insurance adjuster to understand the nature of the damage in the wake of a catastrophic event. You know, when you say customer experience and claims the moment of truth, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to empower carriers to deliver on that promise that they've made to their insured. And so far, we've had some pretty good success with it. We actually deployed RDA post Ian, and you know that would take too long to go through the success story there, but maybe a future podcast. I think it really goes back to something that we were talking about earlier. That tool and what you guys are doing are really trying to address this whole concept of financial wellness in a really amazing way. I mean, again, it's all about understanding the needs of the customer and the insured. And as someone whose house has been decimated by a tornado or a hurricane, you know, right then and there, they need to eat, they need to have shelter, they need to have clothing because they might not be able to get to their house for a couple of days or maybe at at all. Their belongings can be pulverized. You don't know. At that point, how financially well can you possibly be? Well, that's where carriers can come in and provide a little bit of relief and some peace of mind to know that tomorrow's 
looking dark and maybe the next day is looking dark, but there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel and we're going to be by your side, getting you down that path towards financial wellness, toward wholeness, however you're describing. Well, to wrap things up, Jay, I always like to ask my last question for everybody and not to put the pressure on you, but after (laughs) 70, 80 um, podcasts, we've only had a couple of duplicates. So if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? Oh, Denise, you're killing me here. You curveball. I'm going to stump you somehow. I'm going to stump you somehow, Jay. <laughs> well, so now the pressure's on me. You've told me that there haven't been any duplicates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to stick to my guns. Uh, people have already said this before. Maybe that's a good thing, reinforcing it. But I truly believe it's all about the customer. It's all about the consumer. It's all about the insured, right? It's all about providing them and experience, you know, for better or for worse, Amazon has created in people's minds an idea of how things should go. You know, we can talk about data and analytics and yeah, data and analytics is fine, but the reason you have data and analytics is because of you want to deliver that better customer experience. You know, we talk about claims. Okay, yeah, I have this rapid damage assessment tool and that's all great, but it's all there for the customer experience. So for me, Customer, the insured, is the future of insurance and their needs and what they expect from their carrier. Everything that comes from there is going to drive how carriers respond, what technologies they adopt, what partnerships they enter, what core system platforms they employ. All of that will be driven by the consumer and the consumer needs. So it's a slight different take on others. So I'll give it to you that it's unique. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, Jay, as always, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love our conversations. I appreciate the collaboration that you and I have had and that our organizations have had. Looking forward to further ones and seeing you at an InsureTech event coming up soon. Ah, this conference season is upon us, Denise. I will look forward to seeing you live. All righty. Sounds great, Jay. Thanks so much. You bet. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.